All right, welcome in. It is the post-Georgia edition of Village Vice. He is Zach Blackerby on the left. I'm Brad Law, and it is reaction time. Thanks very much for tuning in and watching. This is the um, this is the show where we invite your participation. We are live, and so yeah, as you comment, as you question, as you uh, throw your thoughts out there, we will react to them as we react to the game. Zach Auburn almost did it yesterday almost they had opportunities yeah yeah and i mean i guess the way it transpired is that hope began to kind of sprinkle up you know you get a 10 nothing lead which is exactly what we said needed to happen right auburn had to jump on them early and they did it just wasn't quite enough brad but man it felt like it was going to be for uh for what 55 minutes of the game yeah. it felt like it would be enough but it wasn't quite no, it wasn't. Uh, I actually talked to uh, uh, to Taylor from the next round before the game, uh, out uh, just outside of, of the radio pregame show, and I said, this day feels like one of those magic moment type days, right? If you beat Ole Miss, you beat Mississippi State, you beat New Mexico State, that doesn't, that doesn't feel as special as what beating Georgia would have felt like in year one of the Hugh Freeze era. The Iron yeah. Bowl is kind of a different deal altogether. Georgia came in the number one team in the country in a 14-point favorite. It felt like it had the makings of one of those days that we talk about for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And in the second half, when Auburn forced a fumble, scored a touchdown, and then it looked like for a minute forced another fumble, you really got to thinking that you were going to get that ball rolling downhill. But uh, but it did not happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I I'm curious, for those who are watching, and, and already – yeah, already we're seeing comments about folks being proud of the team and crunk monsters here to boog. Um, how brutal a loss is this? Because I, I think this will say a lot about the way you view year one of Hugh Freeze's time at Auburn. Like in a vacuum, it's pretty brutal, but big picture, it can be a very, po I think anyway, it sends a very positive message. So how brutal a loss is this? Yeah, I think it depends. Like, I think it's brutal in the sense of if we're having a conversation about how much it hurt as a fan watching that game, I think it was brutal, Brad. And I mean, you were in the radio booth. I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of emotions in there as well. I think in that sense, it is brutal, especially when you saw the vibes and the energy at Jordan-Hare Stadium and the belief amongst the fan base. And then it's taken away from you because of a very, very large and athletic tight end that's going to be um, – it's going to be the focus of the NFL draft in a few months. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I think that part is brutal. But I think if you zoom out and you say, wow, you know, Hugh Freeze is doing this with a bunch of transfers where the, most of them were a group of five schools a year ago when you're going up against the top recruits and the most talented roster mm -hmm. in the country from a recruiting standpoint, you say, okay, all right, the proof of concept is starting to come together. And you got to feel good about that because Auburn punched up everywhere. The running game, the, the, the passing game did not. The, the, but the defensive side of the ball punched up. You know, I, I think special teams punched up. I mean, everybody did a little bit better than they probably should have on paper, which is great. There are still a few questions about why that happened. Is it because that's who they are as a team? Yeah. And just the growth from the the team that we saw against Texas A&M to now, is that why? Is it just because Auburn's better at home? I don't know. And we'll learn those questions over the course of the, of the season. 
But I think if you zoom out and you can kind of take some of these things and say, okay, Auburn is getting better. Mm -hmm. um, and then also uh, another win. I think there's three wins. If that was one of them. I think the other is the fact that it was huge for recruiting. You're seeing all these exit interviews and all these different articles, you know, coming out, talking to these high profile recruits. Talk about how impressive everything was and how into Auburn they are. And these guys are committed to other schools and they can't quit talking about Auburn. I think that's certainly a win. Mm -hmm. And they pulled out the stops. I mean, if you're an Auburn celebrity, uh, you were there. <laughs> you were there. And you know, it was a who's who when you look at the guest list. So I think that was a win. And I think the third win is after Texas A&M and Georgia, you look at it until the Iron Bowl at the end of the year. I think Auburn has a solid chance to win every other game on their schedule. I think it only gets easier from here, Brad. And I think you're going to start playing some teams that may be a little crushed. Mm -hmm. LSU, this was a team that seemed like a college football playoff team or bust. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. Arkansas thought this was the year where they maybe could do it in the West because they had the best quarterback going into it. Mm, probably not. You get mm -hmm. Ole Miss at home, you get Mississippi State at home, Vandy's Vandy. Like All of a sudden, you know, I think 7-5, and 8-4 and four still on the table. Yeah, sure. I definitely think there's nothing that happened in the game Saturday that makes you go backward on your season expectation for Auburn. If anything, you might look at a couple of those games that you mentioned and think that Auburn has a better chance to win them than you did before. LSU is intriguing. We have a lot of time to talk about this, but depending on whether you believe in Missouri yet, that's an LSU team that could very well be coming off. They're going to be coming off back-to-back -back road games for sure. Could they be coming off back-to-back -back losses before? And and how much is the game time impacted by their loss to Ole Miss and what they're projected to do? Do we yeah. find out tomorrow that's an 11 a.m. game? I mean, we can hope. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. But that that that's for down the road. Um, yeah. If you are recruiting some of those players who are on campus this weekend, and you weren't Cam Newton, Suni Lee, Charles Barkley, Frank Thomas, right? That's the that's the Mount Rushmore that posed together for a picture on the field before the game to illustrate close. this point. Yeah, pretty the, close. The, the who's I don't know who. if that's the I don't know if that's the exact Mount yeah. Rushmore I would pick, but the yeah. dang good one. It's hard to yeah. argue against it. They were missing Bo. If if Bo Jackson had been there and been, I mean, that would have been like an all time picture. Yeah, um, that's right. It's a very easy conversation to have. You go, look, guys, we just stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the number one team in the country and had a chance in the fourth quarter. Had a chance on the last possession to go down and tie the game. I mean, all you want's a chance. Yeah. Now, if you come join the program, we're throwing to you on that last drive or we're throwing to you on the first drive of the second half or we're, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. It's a very very easy sell or if you take say a five-star defensive end and say man do you see all those five-star offensive linemen that georgia has and their top five in their position coming out of high school and are all five stars and rated 95 96 or better we got to have you so we can get pressure yeah on that guy i mean it's an it's a very easy conversation to have yeah, Ryan Williams, who's a very talented wide receiver committed to Alabama, seemed like he had a great time at Auburn over the weekend. But in his exit interview, he was asked, hey, what's the pitch? And he said, hey, you know, Auburn, they need playmakers. They would have won if they had playmakers. And oh, yeah, Ryan Williams, you will be a playmaker at the next level. So immediately. Yeah. yeah and you got a chance to do it immediately at Auburn. There's no question 
about it because even the guys that are throwing to you know are they going to be here next year is uh is a serious question so yeah. um brad there is a comment that i want to discuss please in just a moment but hey we got to talk about our friends at my bookie we told you we told you Auburn was going to cover at my bookie hopefully you did that if not it's still this is a beautiful thing here uh, for our listeners my bookie is hooking you up it's not too late you can still make money um my bookie demands perfection just like you do as a better and a sports fan whether you're betting on nfl college football uh the mlb postseason is here join my bookie today mybookie.ag register for an account for free and when you're ready to deposit some money use promo code next round you're going to get some extra cheddar on all of that it's going to be a nice bonus my bookie always takes care of our listeners, so be sure to do that. Mybookie.ag, use promo code next round. All right, there's a comment, Brad, that I would like to discuss. I love comments. Keep these comments coming. NH, who has become a regular at this point, says six out of nine incompletions yesterday hit the wide receiver in the hands. You got to catch the ball. So this is response to, I'm assuming, NH, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Sidelines Auburn, I believe yeah. is a Twitter account, they put out a video Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. It was a clip up of the of the incompletions that hit a receiver's hand. And then, of course, people want to argue and make the case that, like, no, they were all bad by Peyton. And it's like the argument wasn't that Peyton made perfect throws and the receivers dropped them. It was that right. it hit in the hands. Like, that is factual. That is a factual thing. But, you know, if, if you're one of those folks that just want to bash Peyton Thorne, I, I, I think this is interesting. There was only one drop that was assigned mm -hmm. in stats yesterday. And it was the Jarquez Hunter when I assumed that one was at the end of the game there. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. Brad, uh, I'm not really sure exactly why. I, I thought there would be more than one. Yeah. I'm not sure all six should have been targeted as drops, but I am. I do think the Malcolm Johnson Jr. one certainly should have been. I think that was one that's like, sure, not the easiest catch in the world back shoulder and the Georgia defender made a great play on it. But like, that's one that you've got to catch. That's if, why you come to the sec. That's how you win these, you know, these yeah. battles. And that's the one that sticks out to me the most. If I had to narrow it down to one specific catch, I just don't know how those get categorized. I mean, if the Georgia defender punches it out, is the assumption that you make the catch if he doesn't make that play? And is it, you just chalk it up to him making the play and that's it. I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I do know that the matchup of, at least if you're looking at the perceived talent on paper, recruiting rankings and all, I get yeah. that's not the whole, I understand that there, that that's not the entire picture. It is a lot of it though. There's an objectively, you can't deny that that's a part of it. The matchups between the Auburn receivers and the Georgia secondary is a win on paper for Georgia. So it's not surprising that their guys were able to make plays whether that look that can be as simple as making sure that they have a position of leverage over the receiver that that doesn't allow the receiver to get in better position to make a catch there's all kind of little you know intricate details that go into those matchups but right um at the end of the day and this goes into identity and this is part of the the second bullet point that we talk about there's no question Auburn's further along as a running team than it is as a passing team and I think there's a pretty wide margin between those two, um, the receiver play and the quarterback play in the passing game just haven't been as linked together as as the running game has been this year, plain and simple.
Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about just total roster rebuild, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because the the running back room going into this was fine. Thank goodness they got Brian Batsy, but even even if they didn't, I think it would have been okay. Because I, I think Cobb, I think the drop off from Batsy to Cobb isn't crazy. So I yeah. still think you would have had success yesterday with the freshman, and then you know we'll, we we can see what happens. Thankfully, we don't have to. Um, so the. It was the passing game that they totally had to do an overhaul on. They went out and got a quarterback. They went out and got all these wide receivers and a tight end that they're still not throwing to enough, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And these are the dudes that are still kind of struggling. Yeah. Right. This is the part of the offense that's still struggling. Um, and a lot of these dudes came in after spring. Rivaldo Fairweather obviously did it. Maybe that's why he looks better than all the other ones. I don't know. We, yeah. you know, they finally threw to Dick Mardner and it like, they didn't give him a shot. So, I mean, there's still just several aspects of this that are odd to me. Rivaldo Fairweather was thrown to seven times. Jay Fair was thrown to five times. Brian Batsy was thrown to three times. Yeah. Malcolm Johnson twice. And then Camden, Nick Martin, and Jarquez Hunter all got one target. And yeah. So it's just, uh, I mean, you're still not using these new receivers that you brought in, really. No, but this goes back to what we talked about, too, at the beginning of the year. You had a lot of options for guys who could lead the team in receiving, but at the end of the day, you only have a certain number of passes that you're going to throw. It's hard to get guys opportunity, multiple opportunities, when you're throwing the guys out of the backfield and you have, uh, you know, you, you got to use two hands to count the receivers that are options to get the ball if you're only going to throw 20 to 25 times in a game or yeah. fewer, and certainly against Georgia, I mean, it was very clear. It, it really followed the script that we talked about throughout the week. You got to lean on the offensive line to make and commit to the running game. Jarquez Hunter, I think, had nine carries in the first quarter of the game. His season high carries in a game had been 11 yeah. going in. And so, you you can't have both if you're gonna if you're gonna feed the running game and emphasize that more it's gonna take away potential catches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brian Batty, very impressed with him yesterday. Yeah, very impressed with Brian Batty yesterday. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with a lot of aspects of the the offense. Like seriously, um, yeah, just not the passing part of it. But no. but even parts of the passing aspect of it, like I think we're better. Like. Isn't the belief there a little bit more now than there was after Texas A&M? I mean, I 100%. believe in, yeah, I mean, I believe in it more. Like, I, I could see it finally coming together, like, in a few weeks, right? Yeah. Which we all knew this was going to be a work in progress anyway. Yeah. And I think that combined with the fact that your competition gets less, because, look, let's let's face it. I think Texas A&M is actually a pretty good football team. Based yeah. On what they've so done too. since then. So, you know, that 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 may turn out to be not that bad of a loss when it's all said and done. And Wait, it's like, what's up? Are you saying that people might've overreacted after one game? It was bad, Brad. I don't blame no, them for overreacting. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. It was awful. No, I know. But, but I think what happened yesterday made up for a lot of it. And there's so many folks out there and people, people are having two different conversations and this is just the emotional aspect of fandom, which is great. But there's two different conversations happening because so many people are like, there's no such thing as moral victories. How could you be happy about a loss? And it's like, no, clearly people wanted to win, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it hurt. It hurt for every Auburn fan on Saturday. But you also can be hopeful for the rest of the season because of all yeah. the reasons we've already discussed. And so just, you know, if you're 
Somebody comes at you and be like, okay, we, we can have that conversation if you want. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about the rest of the season. I didn't expect to beat Georgia going into the season. I didn't expect to beat Georgia going into the game. But now the fact that you almost did, and you can kind of see some proof of concept forming with like Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery are building on offense and the defense continuing to do its job. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like LSU is way more winnable now. Arkansas is way more winnable now. Ole Miss is way more winnable now. Did you watch that LSU and Ole Miss game? Oh, yeah. No defense. None. You're telling me they're going to be able to uh, to stop this rushing attack? Not a chance, Brad. There's no chance. Zach is booging. I love this. Um, you're right. And it is possible to be both disappointed in a loss and optimistic going forward because we're starting to see a team identity form. Five games is enough of a sample these five games are enough of a sample anyway right because all right you played a couple of you've played three games at home two against outmanned competition but one against a team that has more talent than you sure you've played two games on the road power five teams power conference teams one had less talent than you one had more talent than you you're starting to see some things that are similar about how you play on the road that aren't so great you're starting to see some things that are similar about how you play at home that are pretty exciting. You're starting to see similar weaknesses creep up when talent level is better. You're starting to see similar um, strengths emerge. And so I think as the team goes into the bye week, the identity takes shape. And I'm going to talk a little more about that after I remind you that if you need plays, Zach, here's what you do. You go to, Lan you go to Lance'sLock.com. LanceIsLock.com. Right now is the time. Get the best price on the monthly and the annual packages. Sign up today for the best deal at LanceIsLock.com. Uh, we're almost halfway through the college football season. That's wild. Um, we're, Don't say that again. We're getting into you know getting into the first month of the NFL, and Lance's Lock will make sure that you have winning weekends. So um, give them a shot if you haven't yet. The identity of this team. This is a running football team offensively. Right. RPOs will be a part of this offensive strategy going forward. There's not going to be another game where they're not. I feel very sure. confident saying that. The passing game needs a lot of work. It's the most inconsistent part of the offense by far. I think it's fair to expect that Auburn will lean heavily on the run, less so on the pass for the rest of its games this year the identity defensively this defense is a is a is one of the best defenses in the league and that's despite some talent deficiencies or depth concerns at some spots but they right. have managed these last couple of weeks to go in and be more than formidable against Texas A&M and Georgia two teams that have been putting up much larger numbers against everybody that they faced and will continue to put up some pinball numbers offensively this year. We're seeing what this Auburn defense gives the team a chance to do. They've done it with turnovers. They've done it with stingy play. They ran into a guy who might ought to be getting Heisman consideration in Brock Bowers, who was limited to two catches for nine yards in the first half and then totally flipped the game around himself single-handedly yeah. in the second half. Yeah, he's incredible. He's incredible. If the Heisman's really about the best player in the country, 
you got to consider Brock Bowers, but will they give it to a tight end? I don't know. I don't know. He has more games like he did Saturday, and they might. Yeah. You have yeah. to consider it. My goodness, you have to consider it. I'm with you. So I'm with you, man. Th there was a comment earlier. Let me find it. This is from Jerry. Jerry listened to Jake Crane today. He had uh, good hey, things Jerry. to say. Said he had some criticism regarding Auburn not chipping Brock Bowers to slow him down. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, and they talked about that a little bit on the TV broadcast side when they were talking to um, – they were talking about the conversation they had with the Auburn coaching staff earlier in the week. And they said, hey, when Brock Bowers is lined up as a tight end, they're going to treat him like a tight end. And when he's lined up at a receiver, they're going to treat him like a very dynamic and talented wide receiver. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you when you game plan for, for these receivers, you chip them off the line. Um, Auburn obviously didn't really do that. Ron Roberts chirped at a fan afterwards saying that they ran bracket coverage on him all night, which – I think it's true, right? I don't yeah. think I don't think Ron Roberts is a liar. Why is he doing that like an hour after the game? I don't know, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, but yeah, I, I expected more of that. I expected more of that, especially like when Donovan Kaufman was on him as of late. Um, there's a few times I think Kay and Lee was on him as well. And it's like, okay, I don't know if I want Kay and Lee roughing him up at the line of scrimmage, but yeah. I think Donovan Kaufman would have made sense. Um, especially in the fourth quarter, when they started kind of getting some chunk yardage consistent with them, you had, I, I think you had to change it up at some point. Yeah. But also, you know, if you're Ron Roberts, it's like, well, this has worked most of the game. So let's, let, let's keep riding it. You know, I, I get both sides of it. I, I yeah. really, really do. But, you know, it's so easy to go back and say, hey, we should have changed that. Well, it, it is. And I just want to kind of go through some of the Brock Bowers. Uh, this is like flowers for Bowers. Sometimes you run into an elite player, and it's not like Auburn is the only team that hasn't been able to figure out yeah. how to stop him. I mean, he went nine for a buck 21 against UAB, five for 78, 15 yards a catch in their opener. Last year, I didn't do this ahead of time, and I probably should. That's okay. He had three 100-yard games last season and another for 81 in the SEC championship game. I mean, I... I just think it's very – it's obviously simple to say, gosh, why didn't they just do X, Y, Z differently defensively and maybe that would have slowed him down? Yeah. Well, what about all these – like, like, all right, so you're a Patriots guy. You had Gronk for a number of years. I miss him, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah, and I'm not taking a dig because what happened to you all today, but I, I just – Kind of feels like you are, but that's all right. <laughs> why – why didn't teams just adjust to Gronk? Yeah, I mean, at some point, like, it's just you don't have the dudes to do it, right? And every now and then, a team would have a safety that could match up with them or a really talented linebacker or an interesting game plan, or maybe they got they focused on getting to Tom before they could throw it to Gronk or whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, there's different. There's more than one way to skin a cat, but you know, when you have a dude that dynamic, it's, it's, it's hard to block, right? I mean, sure. you could say that about any Heisman finalist ever. It's like... You know, with what, like yeah. when Auburn had a, you know Trey Mason as a finalist, I guess that's our most recent finalist. It's like, yeah. why didn't they game plan to stop him? And it's yeah. like, well, you know, it's, it's it's not it's not that easy. They're special and dynamic for a reason. Yeah, and we're talking a lot about 2013 this year because it's the 10 year anniversary. Um, that team made no bones about what they were going to do. They were going to run the ball three out of four times. It was going to be third down and three, and Trey Mason was going to get the ball up the middle, game plan and stop it. Yeah, couldn't couldn't do it. Just yep. couldn't do it. 
Every, every now, you said it perfectly. Every now and then you just run into a dude and that's the way it works. I'm, so, I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, but, speaking of dudes. Yeah. Can we talk about Jalen Simpson? Let's please do. He is incredible. Um, fourth pick of the season in as many games. Yeah. And he just continues to get it done. He now leads the SEC in interceptions. And he leads the SEC maybe in just overall swag and energy as well. <laughs> but he's everywhere, Brad. He's everywhere. And he's yeah. he's he's a spark plug for this defense and for this team and for this fan base. And <laughs> there, there's so many things that he does that you can't put into stats. You just can't do it. But he offers a threat um, for the run, for the path. I mean, it's just hard to do anything yeah. against him. So he played 49 snaps yesterday. He had a 91.6. I mean, he's going to be a drafted player. He's yeah. going to be a drafted player. And this is this this is a guy that um, he. I, I think he was a good corner. And then there was a lot of questions when he got moved to safety out of necessity. And like, man, he has found a home. Brad, he, he, he's, he's been tremendous. It's been a home run move and we had him, we had him on tiger talk Thursday night and just to, to hear him talk about being a leader, talk about the standard that you play to at Auburn and, and trying to raise that standard with the guys that are on the team to try to leave Auburn better than how he found it. He has a full, uh, full scale understanding of his role of what rivalries mean to fans, what Auburn means to him, what Auburn means to the Auburn fan. Like, he's just, man, he's got it. It clicks for Jalen. And he yeah. has confidence, but it's not it's not reckless swagger, right? Like, there are plenty of guys who have swagger, but it's just reckless. You know, it's just words. That's mm -hmm. not Jalen Simpson. And when you're talking about defensive guys now, we could talk three, four defensive guys who played out of their minds yesterday how about the game marcus harris on yesterday believable yeah um he he was able to move the line better than any other d lineman for auburn yesterday made play after play um eugene asante is we're talking about him every week as a guy yeah. who stands out defensively and of course jalen simpson too so it's it's uh that's part of the identity of this team is you've got real studs defensively who have emerged and who will continue to make plays for as long as they're healthy. I saw somebody ask about uh, Jalen in the chat. He got kicked in the shin twice yesterday. He got mm. kicked a couple of times um, as a part of like roll-ups on, on plays. Yeah, physical so, game too, yeah. no question. No doubt, yeah. but and, I think I mean, he's fine going forward. Yeah, especially going into a bye week. I'd be surprised if he missed any time. And, yeah. you know, Auburn's banged up. Auburn's banged up at multiple positions, I think. I think this bye week comes at a good time. I always like bye weeks as late as possible. This one's a little early, Brad, mm -hmm. but I think with the way this team is, and I'm sure they're hungry and are going to be eager to get back out there. Maybe that helps them be, you know, focused more in practice and motivated, but they've got to get healthy. And there's a lot of positions where I think this extra week off could really, really help them. And defensive back is certainly one of them. Yeah. No, no question. Defensive back and, and it gives the offense a, a chance to, you know, work on the passing game some more. Um, I think yep. Hugh Freeze said that he took a little time away from recruiting to focus a little more on the offensive game plan. Do it again. During the week. Do so. it again. 
you're going to do some recruiting the early part of the week. I know that, but um, yeah, I I think the more you see him continue to to fine tune that, the more improve, which is natural, right? Like it, goodness gracious, you have three new starters on the offensive line. You have several new wide receivers. You have a brand new quarterback who wasn't here in the spring. There's so many reasons why yeah. it's natural that things should look a little bit better week by week and that coming out of the bye week, they're also going to self-scout more in the bye week than they do ordinarily. Mm -hmm. um, there's just no reason to think that the offense won't continue to improve. No question. No question. Uh, we're still going strong this week, though, despite it being the bye week. Brad, tell folks mm -hmm. what our schedule is because I always forget what it is. <laughs> we have shows for you Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And on Wednesday's show, we have a special guest joining us. Ooh. A guy who knows a thing or two about running the football. All right. We'll leave it at that. What a tease. But we're just going to leave it at that. What a tease. But, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, so be sure to click that subscribe button, like yeah. the video, and we will be back tomorrow. Brad, I think that about does it. It does. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for the uh, interaction as well. We love the comments. We love talking to you here on these Sunday shows. In the meantime, remember, everyone has vices. Everyone has vices. Just make sure Village Vice is one of yours.